play. You understand? Yes, sir. I call the play. You run the play. You got that? You got it. Wildcat gun X throwback. You understand me? Yes, sir. But you want me to throw it? No, I want you to stand here. I want to talk about it all night. Yes, I want you to throw it. I want you to hit him in stride. You got me? Yeah. Hit him in stride. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go, baby. Hey, let's go. Here we go. Here we go. Watch this. Make here we go, folks. Vince Howard on the Wildcat sweep going right. Oh, he pulls up looking backside. He's going deep to Caffrey. A little preparation. He's wide open. Oh, my. Hater. Welcome, everybody, to the Friday Night Lights podcast uh, about the show Friday Night Lights on DirecTV and NBC. I am Blake, and today we have three people also with us today, two that have been with us before and one that has left us a couple of uh, voicemails. And so, as always, we have Russ. Hey, I'm ready to boosterize this podcast with four people. And we have Pat, who's been with us the last two weeks. Hello. And from South Carolina, we have Lyle, who is uh, one of the smartest people I've ever known. <laughs> Thanks. Hey, uh, I just don't want this to be an overcrowded booth situation like all those NFL pregame shows, so we'll yeah. see if we can make it work. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we're going to talk today about the uh, the fifth episode of the season called The Sun, and um, – we had a break between the last episode and this one of a week. And I think everybody was looking forward to seeing how they're going to handle the death of Matt Saracen's dad and still expecting that there's going to be a, an exit of the character Matt pretty soon. But, um, at first glance, I thought this might've been the best episode of Friday night lights I've ever seen. I, I agree. I thought it was, uh, I thought overall it was very well done and, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't like a happy episode. I didn't, I didn't like, laugh a lot but i thought it was very well done yeah i liked it a lot i thought i thought uh there's just so much that it really grabs you um and i, I was saying that i hope that they do a lighthearted one next week because that that one was i had to i was at a friend of mine's house watching it and i had to kind of sit by myself before i got in the car and drove back it was kind of weird this is called the emotion because of the emotion well, yeah. I mean, I just thought it was. Yeah, there's just so there's just a whole lot in there. There were three big scenes I thought where, well, actually, yeah, there were three or four big scenes where Saracen just seems to. Guilford really gives it his all in this this uh, this episode. That guy's a good actor, and he he's like showing it the second before he leaves the show, which I think is weird. But yeah. Well, um, since. We've all agreed that there was quite a, a bit of emotion wrapped up in this one, but there are, were a few, I guess, non-Matt Saracen, non-Henry Saracen-related moments, too. So let's look at a few of those on the front end before we, uh, before we dip into the, the deeper things. But starting off with the football game at the very beginning, um, what did you think of, of Luke and Vince calling their own numbers there? <laughs> I, I didn't like the calling their own numbers that much, but I love the Wildcat, and I'm not sure how we didn't see that coming from a mile away as much as we watch football. Uh-huh. And as much as they follow the trends, like when they first got McCoy, they moved to a spread because everybody mm-hmm. in college was moving to a spread with Texas Tech and Florida and everybody. Mississippi State. And we, yeah, Mississippi <laughs> State. So now they're following the trend of the Ole Miss Rebels, you know, and, and running with the Wildcats. But we should have seen that since they never mentioned a quarterback, and they've got two running backs right. that are stars, you know. I thought it was great. I thought it was brilliant. I didn't see it coming. Yeah. I thought the best part was after after they did call the Wildcat and scored, and then nobody knew who called the play. And, of course, the quarterback was befuddled because he wasn't, like you say, such a minor character. Nobody even knows his name. But then uh, – 
after they get the ball back, Coach Taylor's like, okay, I'm calling the plays. You understand? And everybody's yelling, yes, sir. And he goes, all right, Wildcat. <laughs> he goes, like, he's not going to be so prideful. He's going to try to run the pro option. I mean, the, you know, the pro set offense again. But um, goes, Did anybody right notice that uh, they have the same uh, radio announcer for East Dillon as they do for just regular Dillon Panthers? I, I was the same guy. to figure out that was slamming Sammy. It sounds different than Slam and Sammy just a little bit, but I, I, I mean, I, surely he's not calling both games or unless they play on different nights. But I, it. What about it, uh, what about Buddy Garrity in the stands? Does yeah. that mean Dylan had an off week? That threw me. Yeah, I know. I, I was going to say there wasn't a lot of Buddy in this in this entire episode, but Buddy was in the stands there cheering for East Dillon. <laughs> the, the scene of Buddy at the wake was pretty good, and I know we're coming back to that, but that was that was. Pretty classic of, of how wakes go, how visit, funeral visitations go, where he just doesn't know what to say, and so he just keeps talking. Yep. Um, I uh, the football game. I I thought, how many times can they show Jess Merriweather with that one look on her face? Like, they went four <laughs> times to her, jumping up and down with that. Oh yeah. <laughs> hey, well, uh, does Under Armour not make cheerleader uniforms? Because they're really hurting. <laughs> Uh, I think that's second second season for the uh, for the Lions. Yeah, they didn't have any they didn't have any uniforms at all. That was that was great too. Is they're they're all like just wearing different like r- red tops and black shorts or black pants or whatever. So yeah, Under Armour really is struggling to get their name on the show. So. <laughs> um, and th- I think that it was kind of amazing that uh, that Vince. Had like what three plays in a row where he was like the stud. Where he, he scored, he got the uh, the fumble, <laughs> the- caused the fumble, and then he had the big touchdown pass. And like, then well, Tinker, that's what makes Tinker came away with the player of the week. <laughs> <That's> true, <laughs> three in a row, and then Tinker came away with the uh, with the, fumble. the big fumble recovery. Yeah, he was happy. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was I thought happy. he was going to pick it up and run with it. That was going to be awesome. But um, uh, and then you contrast the <clears throat> the elation that. Vince had from that night to waking up the next day with no power, no milk, no water, and then having to bring his um, his passed out mother in off the front porch, off the front uh, balcony there. So. Uh, my first question too was just like Vince's is why do they call it a breakfast if it's at one o'clock? And that's really really strange to me. Don't you love uh, Vince and JD's obvious Speeches. parallels when they when they come to the speech, yeah. like? How uh, JD's so? I mean, he's just so charismatic in front of the kids and all that kind of stuff. And Vince just goes, "Play hard, make money, you get paid, you get, get paid, paid." Which is the same thing the guy who was still teaching him how to steal cars. Right, him. that was almost a paraphrase of the advice. <laughs> but then all the kids jump up and you know, bump fist and all with him and cheer for him. Yeah. I, I think I think Coach Taylor was a little bit at fault there for not preparing him more. Yeah. yeah. Probably so. I mean, you know, you're gonna have to get up and say something to the kids, you know, because uh, he ended up asking whoever the host of the Pop Warner banquet was, like, what am I supposed to say? So, yeah, Jay, the, he, he gave him a little wink, though. He liked his little speech. <laughs> <laughs> you did, you did good, kid. Um, so where do you, where do you think Vince is going then? Because he's obviously starting to find. A, a rhythm or a groove maybe in with the football team. And you see even he and Luke kind of exchange a few knowing glances, but then here he is about to go, you know, jack some cars potentially. Um, and then still having a rough home life. Did you notice that as soon as Vince starts to get in trouble, who's there with him? 
Calvin Brown and the gold chain. Yep. I think he's Calvin's like a, you just uh, put a little devil outfit on him and have it pop <laughs> right. on his shoulder every week. Right. Yeah. I think C. Brown's going to be around for a while. Um. Yeah, but every single time, I mean, it's like you know something ominous is going to happen, or he's, or, or there's something bad is about to happen because Calvin Brown is around. He, he needs right. a, He needs his own theme music. But he he plays the same uh, part that all those guys that just ride around in the truck with J.D. McCoy play yeah. for Luke Cafferty. I mean, just truck guys. Um, Speaking of J.D. McCoy. Y'all, y'all are, oh, sorry. Y'all are always talking about the symbolism of the cars. Maybe maybe there'll be some of that added in depending on what kind of car he jacks later on. Like if he steals <laughs> the Explorer. That if could he be, steals the Explorer, it's on. <laughs> yeah, that'd be terrible. Or Buddy's Escalade. <laughs> Uh, that's too Speaking of us, that's true. But they didn't have a low jack. It does not have a low jack. <laughs> this is West Texas. Uh, but speaking of JD, I, you know, we talked last episode, maybe or episode before, about wondering if there was going to end up some tension happening between uh, J- JD and I guess the rest of the Panthers and Luke. And it's obviously shown up here full force. Right. You know, especially with the comment, how does it feel to be the second best player on the worst team in Texas? Yeah, he's uh he's he's a jerk. He has a new nickname now. <laughs> he does. You know, we, <laughs> it sounds like the worst McDonald's menu ever. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, um, and I'm not even sure if we can say it, and this is podcast even rated. I know. Can you get that? How in far? Box? How far does Luke Cafferty live from town? He's running in the middle of cornfields. And what are what are JD and his buddy doing driving out there? Like, are they looking for him or that isn't even a, that isn't a cornfield? That's like a hill. It kind of looks like a mountain. Yeah. Where's yeah. that in West yeah. Texas? Yeah, I was shocked. I was like, man, they're they're in the middle of they're in the middle of nowhere. Well, you know, they so. gave him a bunch of crap about you know being on the worst team and oh it's like that now but then whoever the driver was got a line in saying hey well we're playing paintball and uh, we want you to come so he goes yeah maybe but i've never gone to play paintball and that means like shooting up cars but i'll be, <laughs> on- I'll be honest i thought that there's about to be some war somebody's gonna get shot i thought they're gonna shoot somebody with a paintball gun and, and he was gonna pull out a gun yeah i mean I-, I didn't know where they were but you still see the contrast of uh when when luke said hey watch out you're getting paint on my truck and he JD said something about it. He goes, Yeah, the truck I paid for with my own money. And I thought that was a huge juxtaposition there. Um, I, I love the part at the end. You know, they, they had to have, find some way for Cafferty to take his shirt off and walk into the, <laughs> you know, so he's, you know, he's, let me, let me show off my whelp. And, and apparently, um, all you have to do is be a football player to get a fake ID in Dylan too, and you can be 15 years old and be able to buy beer. Well, this was the well, first time anybody this. was ever carded. Yeah, is, is he a cool guy or not, Luke? Because in the first, like, I thought he wasn't supposed to be a cool guy. He's crying to the principal when he's got to get transferred, and he's very meek and everything. And then he just like casually strolls up and picks up uh, the girl with no shirt on, and is like, oh, "The beer's on me." Hey, you want to, you know? <laughs> he goes, "I'm late." All of a sudden, he like transformed into a complete cool guy. All of a sudden, is he gonna yeah. be like, "I'm RB one"? <laughs> right. RB one one A one B. Yeah. The funny thing about that is, that if anybody from that didn't live in the South saw that scene, was like, nobody would ever just go into a convenience store without a shirt on. But if you live in the South, like we do, you know that happens all the time. And I saw somebody like. T- 
two months ago, just wandering around the gas station like it was nothing without clothes on. Pat tried to you take his me that video. <laughs> That's right. Pat took his clandestine uh, phone video. <laughs> Maybe we can post that. Can we, can we put that up on the website, Pat? Not only did that guy. This is this is not Luke Cafferty. We're talking about Pat's cell phone video that we've all seen. But the guy not only had a shirt off, but he also had a cowboy hat on. Right, which really makes the whole wardrobe. And it was, it was it was the middle of September. It wasn't like it wasn't like time to harvest the hay. It was like the middle of September. Uh, um, but yes, no, but yes, we digress. But I think that this even more heightens the I think the friction between East and West Dillon, or especially the football teams, because I don't think that that Luke and and JD are going to make up and be close friends anytime soon. Uh, I guess not. I, they really painted JD to be this. Uh, this horrible guy, even more so than his father. Um, they've just become the, just the mustache twirling right. people that you hate. Right. There's got to be some kind of redemptiveness in there somewhere. Yeah. I, I, I was starting to say, I think that by the end of the season, of course, we're still eight episodes away from, from that, that there'll be something that we kind of feel sorry for JD about. Yeah. Um, the, the bet, better I, is I that really kind thought, of character though. What's that? I think he's better as that kind of character. That guy does a great job of playing that guy. He just okay. is a very believable, arrogant football superstar. Instead right. of yeah. milk drinking Wonder Boy. Yeah. Right. And it makes sense that now that he is the now he really is the go to guy and he's been kind of this football robot that his dad turned him into. It does make sense that he would morph into that guy too. Like the more I watch it, the more it's believable that he actually would kind of turn into this jerk. And of course, you know you see Coach Taylor there at the Pop Warner breakfast. You know, still, <laughs> still saying you know, he's got a heck of an arm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought that was funny too. I thought it's that's pretty classic, Coach. Not to say anything that would be uh, too because I, I, you know, I'd have just been oh, um, <laughs> didn't didn't JD make a? I'm sorry, didn't JD make a comment about like oh, I played under Coach or whatever? Yeah, he called me Johnny Unitas. Oh yeah. yeah, I was like, "Dad, gum, that is that is cold blooded." You think he's gonna get his leg broke? I don't know. <laughs> he deserves it. So, what did everybody think of Tim Riggins at a beauty pageant? <laughs> I, I've got no comment. I was just kind of right in there with, you know, you, I, I, Tim Riggins in the in the lawn chair at the end, drinking a beer and trying to process everything that had happened that day was was pretty powerful, but yeah. Tim Riggins of the B pageant was was just kind of weird. His, I, did, he I did, did like the fact when she called him at the wake, and he was like, <laughs> do you not know what happens here? Here's the thing that bothered me about that. I know maybe the pageant lasts like days at a time or something like that, but they like inter, it's like they intercut scenes between the pageant and the wake, and one minute he's at the pageant. Does he like teleport, or how does that happen? <laughs> well, I think, you know, you remember that Becky's mom ended up saying that this goes on for two or three days. You've still got time to get here. Right. She was talking to uh, to Becky's dad. Um, and so I, I think that was maybe, I don't know if that was input later on, because I don't remember seeing her say that. I think she was off camera saying it. So I think they tried to, you know, pull it out to make it seem that he could be, you know, ha- have left wherever he was and, and driven back to the Saracen's household. But um, I don't know. Great point. I believe he was wearing the same clothes. I'm not 100% sure, but I think so maybe he was there in the morning or the waking afternoon or something. Right. I don't know. But I like the way that they contrasted like a real life 
crushing problem that the Saracens are going through with her thinking her problems are of this great magnitude with this pageant. Everybody does that in real life. Your problems are the worst problems in the world. Right. <laughs> well, I thought she was missing her dad in a large way too. Uh, so I, I mean, I, was, I thought there's a little bit of a parallel there that, you know, Matt has lost his dad, even though he didn't like his dad. And we don't know necessarily Becky's relationship with her dad, but obviously he keeps telling her he's going to be there and keeps bailing on her. So I still think she felt kind of abandoned. But I, I do think that, you know, like, how it just kind of take precedence about because he even said I'm out of way and she's like oh I just didn't think you were that close to the guy or whatever and I was like that's such an insensitive thing to say you know and I don't know if she's like going through her own crap or whatever but she's 16 uh, yeah yeah still that was you know maybe it's just because I know Saracen so well and that's just a cold blooded thing to say when- <laughs> <laughs> the Pat <laughs> Pat brought up the the moment when he's sitting in the lawn chair at the end and. I think that that was one of the best lines of the movie, of the movie, best lines of the night when he says, you know, I saw something tonight or I saw someone see something tonight. Right. And I just, you know, do you ever feel useless? Mm-hmm. And then that awkward, uncomfortable moment where she's like, close your eyes. And even you can tell in his eye, his face, he's like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. And I was so proud of him for saying this is not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So do what, you think that's is, more of a Lila thing, or is it the fact that there's a big age difference? I really hope. No, I think it's uh, the fact that Riggins draws a line with having sex with two generations in the same family. <laughs> well, I'm not sure he draws that line. <laughs> <laughs> I think Julie and Mrs. Taylor. I, you know, anyway, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but then it did set up for uh, for Becky to go try to buy beer and meet up with shirtless Luke, though. So. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that was a really good transition because you start because I think that way we transition out of this awkwardness where she has a crush on Tim and wants to be with him because right. I think it automatically starts to generate this thing between Luke and Becky and I'm kind of ready to be out of the whole I want him I want him to be involved in her life I want him to be a big brother but I do not want this weird like romantic tension between them because that just it's it's yeah. creepy yeah yeah it's creepy yeah, I, and that's believable too I mean yeah. Sixteen-year-old Tim Riggins living behind your house. Never mind. <laughs> I could see how she would like Tim Riggins. I'll say that. Yeah, Lila, well, I like Tim uh, Riggins. Lila made a comeback, although she didn't have any lines. She definitely made a statement with those boots at the uh, no, funeral. I've never seen boots at a funeral, but uh, is that Nashville or is that all? Is that Texas? Yeah, it's Texas. It is Texas. I, ne- I wouldn't have thought a girl would have them on with a dress at the funeral, but hey, it's live. I love well, Friday Night Lights. Is like so unsentimental about bringing somebody back. It's like one of the biggest stars to ever come on the show, and they put her in there for two minutes, and she has no lines because it doesn't fit in with the story. I thought that had integrity. Amazing. <laughs> I'll say yeah. that did, but I thought they hyped it up a little bit too much last with the previews last time. Like they like in a returning character, you know, sort of dramatic wise there, and then. She, well, like, that's what they, that's what commercials do, though, Blake. That's true. They do. They hype things up. That's that's what they're paid to do. But you're right. I, I like the fact that she. But and you know, all she does, she gives that little look over to Riggins. That's really the only. That's all she has. That and she, she kissed Matt on the cheek. Yeah. Yeah. So. But that was there was a lot in that glance. That's right. She's got those powerful eyes, you know. So look. are we assuming that she'll be around for a little bit longer? I think that she'll make appearances here and there or whatever. Um, 
There's yeah. going to be some kind of point of contact, I would think. Because I didn't watch the previews yet for next week. So. Uh, if I mean, if you want me to give it away, well, she she's in the preview for next week, too. Okay. So Yeah. Um, Is she with Riggins in the preview? Yeah. Or JD. <laughs> <laughs> or Jason Street. <laughs> Hey, how do y'all like the little uh, the, the little nod to Smash? That's cool too. That, yeah, that, was, cool. that was great because so it looks like he it's it's believable too because it looks like I don't know if it's a blowout or not, but they say that he's not a starter, and you can even think like with the state that Texas A and M is, they're about six and six, so he would get playing time probably because they would be. And you know out. what? They started eighteen freshmen or something like that this year. Something ridiculous. They're all freshmen and sophomores. Yeah. Wow. I don't yeah. know if they look that far ahead, but it's a nice coincidence. So he'd probably be, I assume, a redshirt freshman right now. Yeah, something like that. Did anybody think it was odd that we didn't see um, Jess's dad at the football game after having thrown the pep rally and all last week? Because I'm assuming the pep rally last week was on last episode was on Thursday, and then this is the game right after that. That ornery old cuss is still mad at football. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I didn't think about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The restaurant probably had to be open, you know. I don't know. On Friday night, probably at the big barbecue night or something. You could have had the after party there. So. And it is. It's, it's a big barbecue night in New Albany where my wife's from. That's when everybody goes to West Side. <laughs> so, um, Let's talk about Henry Saracen. Are we ready to do that? I think so. Yeah, yeah I, I think so. That's the main, part of, main point of the show. And I, I, would, uh, I would just kick it off by saying I, I – uh, I thought that was just incredibly powerful. And I really, at every turn of the, of all the stuff that happened with Matt Saracen, you could tell that whoever wrote that and like directed that episode had been through something like that, like, like losing somebody, losing a father. And and I know that, that that's something that's happened to me. And, um, I just, I was just so impressed by the, uh, just the genuineness in uh, in everything that happened, I mean, when when he loses his crap at the dinner table and doesn't really know what to do or how to eat or what to say, and like that, that was, you know, there's just that that sense of lostness that comes from grief. And then um, the 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 sleazy funeral home uh, mm. consultation. I mean that that vulture. Yeah, but but they 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 pan that guy. They they casted that so well because the guy was. Uh, you know, not didn't have like slick back hair, chewing on a toothpick. But I mean, that's just the funeral business. But uh, but that was what was. You know, that's a hard table to sit at, and they they made it. They did it right, right. at every turn. It was incredible. I think all throughout the show, you see Matt has had a very, I say dysfunctional, but just not put together, less than ideal life. But it's been the Taylors. It seems like over the last two or three years that have kind of surrounded him and been his family for him, whether it's right. Tammy helping out at the funeral home and, or, or, you know, Julie being there all the time and, and Eric kind of giving him, I guess, some, some foundation through football. But then again, I, you know, walked him home after, like you say, he lost everything right there at the, at the dinner table. Right. And that, that was what was great about that show. Cause when he, when he left and they were like, Coach Taylor was like, I'm going to go, I'll go talk to him. I'll go talk to him. Sarah and I were like, this is going to be classic. This is going to be a great speech that he's going to give him. Like, this is going to be awesome. And he didn't say anything. He right. just said, I'm he's just walking, walking around. And that's what's incredible about the show is that they, they could have crafted some great rah-rah speech, but there was nothing there. There was just, there was just, I don't know. I, I, I thought that was yeah. incredible. Well, it's almost like there's nothing he can say. I thought that dinner table scene was, was the best scene of the night because I, I really like the fact that 
Saracen just kind of pours it out. He says, I hate him and I don't want to hate him because I want to be a good person. It just seems seems so um, interwoven with who his character has sure. been and how it's been established for the past three years that he was saying things that were absolutely genuine. But, it, man, yeah, he knocked that scene out of the park, I thought. Yeah, it's, when he said that, I just wish I could tell him these things face-to-face, and, and now he doesn't even have a face. Ugh. And you see Ugh. the looks, on, and then he, then he starts apologizing. To, he said, I'm sorry, Miss Taylor. should have said, I'm sorry. I, you don't, you don't need, I'll, I'll get out of here, you know. And, uh, and yeah, it, it, it pulled at your heart or ripped at your heart, whichever it may be. Oh, yeah. Let me ask you this. How does the show, how is it going to function without Saracen on it when he leaves this year? Like, he really is the heart and soul of the whole show, I think. I agree. Because mm-hmm. you think even from the very first episode, the last scene of the first episode, wasn't it um, him? And coach out there calling plays, and you know, do you want do you want do you want to be QB one? You know, let me hear you. And so he's been kind of the, like you say, the mainstay throughout the entire thing. Uh, I don't know. It's gonna be, it's gonna be very interesting to see how they how they recover and how they kind of write him out and keep him in like they do with all these other guys because that's gonna be a very. I, I think I think that the the Taylors are also like them the meat and backbone of that, that show. So I just think they have to find, I think just think they have to find some way to make Riggins more prominent. And some of these new characters are going to have to step up and have compelling stories. But I think, I think Vince kind of has that. I mean, I I think that they have an opportunity to bring some other people along and make them equally as intriguing. But now we're invested with Saracen and that's the, that's, that's what makes him so good. Right, and you see him bringing Tim Riggins into that place, though, especially with the the way the last scene was. You know, he's still wrestling with what he's going to do and where where he is. And in the first couple of seasons, Riggins was more not not necessarily comic relief, but he was more just auxiliary as as far as a char- character goes. But he's pretty stereotypical he, too. Yeah, but you're but you see, he's beginning to embody um, Dylan, like the people who don't make it out of Dylan because of football or because of college or whatever, they really don't make it out of Dylan. And that, that's what was so much more apparent in the, um, in the movie Friday night lights, but what isn't really played up quite as much in, um, in the show. But I mean, you see, he's just kind of stuck and Saracen's the same way. That's why Saracen's probably, I imagine after the eulogy, he's going to go join the military. I imagine he's going to turn around. I imagine we're going to see him talking to that guy that said he was also a recruiter, but, I just don't think people. I just don't think that the military is. I don't. I, I would be very disappointed if they did that. Honestly, really, I don't know why. I just. I don't think that that's. I, I and maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I just. I really don't see that. Blake and I were talking last week about how he has to learn to shoot before he goes in the military. But <laughs> um, I was wondering. I, I was wondering if he get you know the benefits from the military and from the government as uh, some sort of life insurance. You know pay off therefore he's now able to go and go to school wherever he wanted to Um, right um did there's did there seem to be a bit and this is this may be just me i kind of like the way that there are these almost political undertones to like the whole way you know like i don't know how you feel about the war in iraq and afghanistan and all that kind of stuff but don't like the way buddy was kind of talking to him about hey your your dad was was doing something over there. And, you know, it seems like even, because it seems like uh, in the video 
voice voicemail that he's watching at the very beginning. His dad says something about being home like soon, and we're going to be out of here soon and stuff like that. Right, we're doing good work over here or something. Yeah, it was two years ago. Yeah, yeah, and so I I don't know. It's and it was one of those things where it kind of made you think about what's going on over there without being like overtly taking a stance one way or another or. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I thought that was kind of good. Uh, I hope they're not interweaving political philosophy. They're good about staying away from that kind of stuff. Yeah, they but really I think, moralize anything. They just show how things are. Yeah, right? but even even more so about the this is the these are the kind of conversations that a town like this would have when a soldier dies and comes home. Does that make sense? Like, it's almost like it's woven into the reality of the story. Like, Buddy Garrity is the kind of guy who would say those kind of things because he probably leans that way a little bit, you know? Right. So I think that's the American patriotism that, you know, probably is really strong in Texas anyway. But Dillon is one of the most liberal places in Texas, as evidenced by their gay bar. (laughs) (laughs) It's just outside of town. It's not in city limits. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> their gay bar that serves seventeen-year-olds, Coca-Cola. Yeah, just yeah. Coke. So, one of the, one of the scenes we've not talked about that, um, and it was right there at the wake, which was when uh, Joe and JD came over <laughs> and wanted to offer their condolences. And I want to say on the front end, I, that took a lot of guts from the McCoys to even show up. But I thought it was classic when when they were talking and Matt goes, "What?" And they started again. He goes, "You got to be kidding me!" And just shuts the door, and nobody nobody says anything. Nobody's ever. I don't think like, it. I don't think it took courage. I think they are just so self unaware that they thought that was the right thing to do. You think that was appropriate? And they had no idea why it would be received any other way. So I don't think it was something that they mulled over and decided this is going to be hard, but we need to do this. I think they just decided we're a wealthy family in town. We know him. We should go offer our condolences, no matter how we treat them the rest of the time. Let me tell you something. Boosterism knows no bounds. <laughs> <laughs> you can't fake it. You cannot. I mean, did the boosters make him do it? Is that, I mean, is that the impression y'all got? That's the impression he, I got. Was yeah. He's out of the booster, so he has to do it. Because the good old boys that sit around the Applebee's, no matter how much they have a problem with football, that man fought for, by God, America. We got to <laughs> send a wreath over there. Well, where yeah. was Wade Aikman? I would have thought it would have been the the coach, unless I guess he is head of the booster club, Joe McCoy is, and it still begs the question, where is Janie McCoy? Yeah. She's, I don't know. Maybe there's a Northern Exposure reunion coming yeah, on. Yeah, I was thinking maybe she moved to Alaska. <laughs> to Sicily? Uh, um. Hey, no, the, the, this is something I didn't say, but did you notice, this is kind of what got the whole political thing got for me. Did you notice that Billy Riggins had a shirt on that said, draft beer, not people? I did not. <laughs> I did notice that Billy Riggins got away from Mindy for a night. I did. I thought that was random that Billy Riggins was in. Although she was there at the um, at the funeral, big and pregnant. Yeah, she was. Yeah. I saw her in a, in a back shot. Pretty pretty obvious. What about uh, what about Landry? Um, Landry was he wasn't on screen a lot, but he had some uh, some pretty funny moments. I think you know with the the twinkle toes when when Julie called him that. He goes, "That's that's not my name." He said, "I'd rather be called Golden Foot." Uh, <laughs> I was hoping Crucifix Victorious would play a rousing uh, number at the funeral. <laughs> wow. Uh, Did you think it odd that um, after the game and everybody's rah rah and, and, and feeling good, he coach tells everybody to take a knee and tells about Matt, and he ends up saying <laughs> something to Landry, but he calls him Lance? He calls him Lance. 
I, I don't I don't get that joke because sometimes he gets his name right and sometimes he doesn't. I could see it being used as comedic relief, like, okay, you're screwing up. Now I'm going to call you Lance. But right. at that moment, in a serious uh, No, I understand it because I had a junior high football coach who could never get my name right. <laughs> so and no matter how much effort I was putting in, he put an S at the end of my name and called me Lyle all the time. And I was like, there's only one of me, man. <laughs> but your coach so was I understand. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was about as good as Landry is, so I understand why. <laughs> you notice he doesn't ever forget Luke's name. <laughs> That's true. I was glad, though, that Landry was able to go out and uh, and hang with the Riggins and Saracen, too, on the football field at night. But <coughs> but were they on the East Dillon field or the old Dillon High field? I couldn't tell because it looked like the corner of the field, and I, I thought that it would at least say Panthers in the end zone or something like that, but – at first, I thought it was a Panther field. That was reminiscent of that uh, episode when Street and Smash and Riggins and Saracen are hanging out too. I just, yeah. I, I like that too. I thought it was reminiscent of Dazed and Confused. Apparently, that's what you do in Texas. You drink <laughs> beer on the fifty. Yeah, right. you got to keep living. L I V I N. Even Billy Riggins, the old football player, that, he's like uh, that. Actually. Oh, yeah, that's Wooderson, man. A little, yeah. little homage. So, so along with that scene, like I'm really thinking they should probably keep the funeral home locked up at night, especially the back doors. Um, well, the guy was there. I thought they were just breaking in. I did, too. And I, what is that guy doing there? Like, it's obviously but, late. But I think they embalmed I guess maybe it's not that night. late because he still goes after that to the dinner. Mm-hmm. He was like, so, that, that was another thing. Well, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say that. Do you think that it was pretty obvious that he had been drinking once he gets there? Because you see Eric ask, you know, did you did, drive? yeah, did you drive? He goes, no, no, sir, I, I walked. Um, but I think they just knew all the weight that was on him. Could take him and throw him in the shower, and make him. <laughs> yeah. You know, that was almost the exact same. Th- I thought about that episode when he got tossed in the shower. What episode? I mean, season two. It yeah. was that sort of moment stretched out to about 25 minutes, it felt like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was uh, – there were just some gut-wrenching parts. There was his his little deal where he was scared about – before they went to the funeral home, of course, when they're on the field and he says, I don't even know that who I'm going to be saying this to, if he's actually him or whatever. And then there's the actual funeral home scene which I yeah. couldn't hardly watch. And and I guess one of the things that I love about the show is when they open that casket, is, you, you absolutely – thought it was going to be John Locke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, was, that would have been shocking. Um, or if it was going to be empty and – That's a fantastic loss reference yeah. there. I, I'll give you props on that one. I, I told Blake last night that Guilford needs to be in whatever the next Holocaust movie is. Because that guy does sad better than anybody oh ever. God. Like the way he teared up as soon as they opened the casket. Um, that guy gave a knockdown performance last night. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Emmy worthy. Yeah. Well, think about the Dylan as a whole. Is there really any character that has a good life? <laughs> the the I mean, Taylors wow. actually have it okay. Yeah. And they have a pressure life. And even J.D., who has all the material things he could probably want. Jason had- Street did for about 42 minutes once. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, in fact, he had the best life of yeah. – He was the number one QB <laughs> in, the, in the nation. But, I mean, I, I don't know if that's just kind of the motif of everybody, but everybody has a less than ideal life. And I th- you know, like you just said, the Taylors seem to have the most normal of all lives, and that may be why they 
are almost the rock in the middle of everything. But nobody, it's none of the, besides Julie maybe, but none of the people have a life that any of us would hold her hand up and go, yeah, I want that. Mm-hmm. I mean, Landry is probably close, it, 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 though he is probably the, the typical kind of geeky guy at school the geeky guy who always gets beautiful women at school and he murders he, uh, people and murders people i guess he does have that way in opening although i'm glad they never bring that up um that never uh, happened we will not refer to that again <laughs> the event that shall not be named yes you know i don't know if that's something but even even the new people you know that are on there they're still jess seems to have a fairly normal life i guess um but we still don't know her dad that. hates football <laughs> that's yeah, not normal yeah, i can't fathom that in, in, in texas yeah, I guess the only person now that has normal life is Smash Williams. Uh, except for the fact that Cafferty's parents don't really like football, it seems like that he has may, might have a normal life. It's true. Yeah. I mean, we don't know enough about him. I guess I'm sure that something will come up later on if his family comes into play. But now he's got no friends, really. I mean, he's fixing them and he's making them with the, he's stealing people. But the people Becky? I didn't have any friends in high school, and I had a pretty normal life. <laughs> <laughs> look at us. I mean, yeah. look at us now. Yeah. I, have, I have three friends now. We all talk about the football. And everything. Right no, we home. don't. We talk about shows about football. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, it's, I mean, Cafferty's only um, family problems is that his dad's not a very good actor. <laughs> that, yeah. and he used to live in an in a open field, apparently. Yeah. He also has a bruise on his shoulder. Don't forget that. <laughs> yeah. He got hit with a paint. You, you know what's funny is like when you get hit with a paintball, it stings. Does it knock you down? I don't. Those guys were for them to be football <laughs> players. Were like, ow. You know. I don't know, dude. I've never got shot that close range with just a t-shirt on. I bet it hurts. I bet I they can got see nice. it. I don't know. It hurts really bad. I bet those I guys got, got nice. I shot a guy one time stuff. from like five feet away, and he was like, and he yelled at me, but it he didn't fall down on the ground and roll around. Like Pat said, I bet that JD has a super super velocity paintball gun. No, I bet he does. He's got a cannon for an arm. He might as well have one for a paint gun too. <laughs> it's true. I was expecting there to be a fist fight between the two of those guys there in that gas station parking lot, and then you know the police are like hiding behind a billboard, eighteen feet away to pull up. That's what happened last time Luke was in a tussle. That is a really pansy move by JD. Like the dude steps up and he shoots. He's like, "Careful!" and shoots him with a paintball gun. <laughs> It's obvious now. He didn't want to get in the fight in the last episode, and now he doesn't want to punch Luke because obviously he doesn't want to hurt his hand or his golden arm. Right. I thought it was good that that Luke called him out, though. Like, yeah, I was in jail when my friends weren't there. What happened with that? Nicole, we're sorry, man. We're sorry. Yeah. The the East Dillon team's starting to come together. Right. Giving a little uh, nod to each other in the huddle and everything. So we know three – players' names, I guess, with Luke, Vince, and Dallas Tinker. Um, do, do we know any other – and Landry, four players. I'm wondering if we'll start learning more and more because we really haven't seen Dylan play a single football game except the first one. Mm-hmm. Right. So, well, anything that you know to look forward to in the next couple of weeks? Anything you do, see developing? Do we? Are we still of the opinion that we that we think it would be ridiculous uh, that if East Dillon actually beats Dillon later on in the year? Well, if they run the Wildcat, <laughs> uh, I think if East Dillon wins more than two games, I think that's a stretch from going from not having a football program 
in the highest classification in Texas. <laughs> and to and, winning uh, more than two games is a real stretch as a sports fan. And beating the team that's favored to win. So, I'm, I'm he's got the best JD quarterback McCoy. in the country, you know. I'm thinking J.D. McCoy may have an injury before this year's over with. Like, I'm thinking that may either be – either it'll happen in another game and that, that'll be what brings us back, like, to him as a character. Or it'll happen justice, if he, still, if, like, if, Yeah, if he gets into it with his dad and his dad accidentally breaks his arm, that oh, would yeah. be poetic <laughs> justice. Yeah, I was wondering, too, can Dylan win without J.D. and Luke? He's got a cannon for an arm. <laughs> yeah, uh, hey, they've already got one – one big um, subtraction with Luke being off there. Yeah, you know, in last the last what three years they had Cobra as their quarterback. Oh, how have we not mentioned Cobra or Mayday Saracen yet? <laughs> that was I thought that was the funniest line on the show when he's yeah. like Mayday Saracen back. Like, Billy, at no point has he been called Mayday ever. <laughs> Cobra's better anyway. And then, then I the love the way that he keeps him in check like that. He's always keeping Billy in check. Like he knows he's just a little bit smarter than Billy, so he can keep him in check. <laughs> it's called hunting uh, season, Billy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, and Bill, Billy always seems frustrated with him too. And even when they're breaking in the funeral home, I remember he goes, he's he mentioned he referred to him as Cobra. Yeah, all right, Cobra, let's get in there. Yeah, go DB it up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, I think it was a good uh, a good episode, if not the best one, ob- easily the best this season, but quite possibly the best of. Uh, of the whole series. I don't know if that's just because I saw it so recently or if this is true, but, um, we'd love, I'd to- like for us to, I don't, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut no. you off. Actually, no. I didn't mean to cut you off cause I thought we were, you were going to end it, but, <laughs> um, no, what I was going to say is that I thought the way they ended it, the last three or four minutes of the episode is just shovels, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, and the, and the bloody, uh, the bloody shovel handle. Did yeah. you notice that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a top five episode all time. I, I'd have to go back and think about it to to write, but to say it's the best ever. It yeah. was the best of this season, certainly. Probably top five ever. Yeah, seeing Riggins leave his cleats on the on the goal line there. By the, by yeah, the, the football stuff gets to me more than anything else. I just like coaches' speeches and the football scenes, and everything. So I don't I don't know that I could rate his best ever. I like the, I love the scene where Riggins leaves his cleats too. That might be my favorite scene ever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then one one last thing I meant to mention that as uh, as now a dad that, that kind of tugged at me pretty pretty deeply was uh, when Julie comes home and Eric asks her how is he, he's like he's trying, and then she just goes over and is in his arms and she's starting to cry and he says I'm not going anywhere I'm not going anywhere, and so much was said in that one that one sentence that I thought was was really really good too. They really didn't waste a second of footage this week. Like, every second hit hard. It was mm-hmm. just a great episode. Easily. Yeah. Easily. And and the thing about it is, is that they did enough with the other characters to still make you interested in what goes on, but they didn't... Like, they could have gone so far and cut out the Matt stuff by talking a little bit more about Vince's story, but they didn't. And they just left it where it is and... And knew that this was a time to kind of focus on Saracen. And I, I'll, yeah, I agree. Even with the Vince stuff, it was you know he gets woken up with Coach Colley and talking about how you're selected as one of the players of the week and all. And he goes, "You get to go to breakfast, and you get to do this and that and everything." And he's so happy. And then his 
you know, it doesn't have this milk is bad in the refrigerator, the water won't turn on and everything. So they continue to build up the contrast and I think that's one of the but things. But the phone that, bill was paid. <laughs> his phone bill was paid. Yep. Because but, he answered the phone. Yeah. And it was his uh but it was it was his cell phone and I with oh, he's probably got a little income on the side from various uh, businesses of his own. So. Uh, he may be uh, on Calvin Brown's family plan. Yeah. Uh, that might not be, even be his cell phone. <laughs> the Calvin Brown family plan. Yeah. Well, as always, if anyone would like to leave some feedback, you can uh, call us on the voicemail line at 662-259-0185, and we'll get your voicemail on about the, about the podcast and then we can about the latest episodes. And you can give us an email at fnlpodcast at gmail.com or also on Twitter, which is the username is fnlpodcast. We actually have a few emails that have, that have backed up a little bit that, um, that we're going to read out next next episode. But um, please keep those coming in. And um, also there are a few things in the works of uh, an interview or two that we're getting lined up. And so uh, hopefully we'll be able to have those on with you very, very soon. But uh, until then, glad everybody's able to be a part. Pat, Russ, Lyle, I hope you come back and they're able to. Keep it up. Thanks. All right. right.